Steelers didn't get to play football this past weekend. The Steelers had their schedule messed with. The Steelers had their preparation for their now next game against the Eagles adversely affected. And nothing at all happened to the Titans yet. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. So what'd you do with your Sunday afternoon and evening? Yeah, I I probably did the same thing as you. I watched a lot of football, a lot of bad defense. Man, I sure hope that's not the way the NFL is going. It's one thing to have a lot of points and a lot of offense. It's another thing to have bad defense. And yeah, I'm talking primarily about that Browns-Cowboys game. Cleveland won 49-38, and it was way uglier than that score would suggest. All of the rest of the AFC North won, in fact. The Bengals got their first W under Joe Burrow, 33-25 over the Jaguars. And the Ravens beat Washington 31-17. to And the Steelers, you know, just sat around. They returned to practice today on the south side, getting ready for the home game coming up Sunday against Philadelphia. We'll see whether or not Governor Tom Wolfe allows the Commonwealth's two NFL franchises to play in front of actual humans this weekend. That'd be nice and overdue, to be honest. The other thing that would be nice and overdue would be for the NFL and the NFL Players Association to send a really strong signal that they're not going to tolerate teams messing around with coronavirus protocol. Yeah, they've put out their memos. They've put out tons and tons of documents. But what they haven't done yet is send a stern message to the Tennessee Titans that everything that contributed to that team now having 20 20 people infected, 10 players, 10 staffers, an outbreak unlike any other in professional sports, bigger than the Cardinals, bigger than the Marlins, bigger than any college teams. The league and the union are now jointly investigating what went wrong with the Titans. I'm not going to sit here and guess. I mean, they they signed a a practice squad guy who hung around there for two, three days. They rode on a bus in Minneapolis where the Vikings driver was later confirmed to have it. You know, it's not about who got it or how they got it at the start. There's been some conflating about that in local debates and discussions. It's not about whether or not you can fend off a pandemic. Nobody's expecting anybody to do that. It's about how you control it once 
it's identified. There are ways to do that. There are safe, reliable ways to do that. It is impossible to conceive that Mike Vrabel and the Titans did that when you see new tests just popping up, positives, every day. Here's another two. Here's another one. Here's another two. Here's another one. Seriously, the head coach is primarily responsible in the NFL for his team's behavior on and off the field. That goes to the head coach. The same way people would point at Mike Tomlin whenever uh, A.B. or Le'Veon Bell or somebody else would mess up. Ultimately, it does go to the head coach. Doesn't mean the head coach can prevent everything, but it does mean that he's responsible. He's the one charged with managing their behavior to the best of his ability. The Titans have blown this up, down, and sideways. And here they are sitting for this coming week in Nashville waiting for a chance to play the Buffalo Bills. And we'll see if it comes about. But if it does, nothing will have happened to this organization. Nothing will have happened unless the NFL and the union look at this investigation from the standpoint of if we find something, boy, are you in trouble. If it's just, well, let's just find out stuff and see what lessons can be learned and we'll share with the group. You're not going to get anything done. There are different ways to attack this. One is a fine. I, I don't think fines work in sports. I don't think they work at any level of sports other than the minor leagues where the players aren't making any money, and if you dock them pay, you're really, really hurting them. Doesn't work in pro sports. Certainly doesn't work when you're fining a team. You could fine the Titans a million dollars, which would be like an outrageous, unprecedented fine. It'd be the kind of thing you're, I don't know, sticking Belichick in the Patriots with or whatever. Not that they got punished, but you know what I'm saying. A million dollars isn't going to affect them. It's just not. I'm sure they won't have a great time writing the check, but it's not going to do any anything to change the culture. You can threaten to dock draft picks. That's another popular one. That's been done. Uh, that's been done for teams that have misbehaved. Uh, that was done to the Patriots. And, and that hurts. That hits them in a football sense. But it doesn't hit the football coach. It doesn't hit them in the now sense. There's only one answer for this, and that's forfeiting. And no, I'm not being dumb and presuming that anyone could go back and retroactively force the Titans uh, or, or call this the, the Titans game against the Steelers a forfeit in Pittsburgh's favor. That's not what this is about. I have no false pretenses there. Nor do I think the Steelers should be terribly concerned about getting a forfeit for their own purposes in the standings because I think the Steelers will crush a team that's 32nd out of 32 teams in run defense, which is what Tennessee is. But I do know that this isn't sustainable. This where the NFL and the Union might, and I'm being 
a little hypothetical here, and, and I hope that's taken in the right context because they haven't rendered a ruling yet. They haven't even completed the investigation yet. So this is more of a preemptive strike. What I hope that they do is they take this from the standpoint that if we cut this off here, if we find out that Mike Vrabel and the Titans completely blew it with protocol, knowingly violated protocol, had people walking around uh, in areas without masks where they shouldn't have been, then the league and the union need to go at this with the mindset that every hammer is on the table, including forfeits. I don't want to hear about what kind of precedent there was and, oh, they've never done a forfeit. They'll never do a forfeit. They can't have forfeits. It'll cost a lot of money if they don't play the games. Guess what? The way the Titans are behaving, they're going to cost a lot of people a lot more than money. Because if you have people floating the idea of a 12-game regular season now to adjust because of this, you're costing the league a lot more money and individual teams a lot more money and individual players a lot more money than by assigning one single forfeit to scare the bejesus out of Rabel, his staff, and the Titans players. Weigh those two things, and believe you me, the forfeit looks a whole lot more palatable and a whole lot more possible. Let's see where this goes. Let's see where where this goes with Chiefs and Patriots. That'll happen either tonight or tomorrow or won't happen at all if they're like the Titans. But more than anything else, let's see this league take this one team seriously and set a precedent that allows the NFL season to go on without further interruption and, of course, without further people being exposed to this virus. When we come back, some hockey. Welcome back. The NHL draft Tomorrow night, it was going to be in Montreal, which is where it was held for a million years. That was the that was the thing. The draft it was just known to be there. Now, of course, it's going to be a virtual event. Tomorrow night is round one. Wednesday brings rounds two through seven, which is, of course, when the Penguins will be commencing their participation. Unless, of course. Jim Rutherford trades all of those picks as well. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG. LGKG represents people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. They take pride in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. They've been doing that for their clients for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. You can learn more about them online at lgkg.com 
or by calling them at 888-842-5454. The, the draft, as ever, with the Penguins is going to end up being a, a sidelight event, meaning the actual draft. It's always about whatever else Rutherford might be doing at his table, which I'll repeat is going to be a cyber table. He can still communicate on the phone, text, and all that other stuff. And I'll bet he's going to be very, very busy. In large part because it's now crystal clear he's going to move Matt Murray. Um, There's really no way around it. When you're reaching the point with your salary cap that you're not going to tender Dominic Simone, who, no matter what you think of him, is a very useful NHL player. Uh, and you're doing that strictly because you can't fit him under the cap. Uh, that's not a GM that's about to hold on to a goaltender who's going to be looking to make five, six million, if not more, per year. So Murray's got to go. I don't say that in any mean way. He's just, he's he's literally got to go. There's no way to manage this particular payroll with Murray on it. The question is whether or not Rutherford can move him before the draft. Uh, the names that are on this list of unrestricted free agents, goaltenders that are out there, they're, they're just all over the place. They're, it's goaltenders galore. And you can have them without giving up anything in trade. Now, yes, as Rutherford correctly points out, there's an age element to those players. Once you're an unrestricted free agent, by and large, you're an older guy. And these guys who are available are older. But then if you think about it, who are the teams that want or need immediate goaltending help and fancy themselves contenders. They're, you know, they're usually older teams. They don't really care if they get an older goaltender. They might even see it as a benefit. So I I think it's going to be very, very hard for Rutherford to make this move before the draft. And as a result, I think you're going to see the Penguins stuck at picking 77th overall with their first pick, meaning the third round. And yeah, I know. (laughs) That's not all that interesting, is it? On the bright side, on the bright side, the team did commit over the weekend to Tristan Jari in every way. No, Rutherford didn't come out publicly and say, he's our number one goaltender, because he can't do that with Murray still on the team, the last thing he's going to do while he's trying to trade Murray is to devalue him by saying, well, we now consider this other guy to be a better player. That That's just not going to happen. But Rutherford did say that Jari proved himself as being a, quote, regular starter, end quote, in the NHL. And that's that's a phrase I guarantee you he worked out before putting that into the the press release on the Jari signing. 
I like turning the nut over to this kid. No matter what else comes out of all this, the Murray trade, the draft, and everything else here, to me, I appreciate and respect the Penguins' commitment to this kid after a year. They've long had an eye for a quality goaltender, and that even includes the backups and you know what have you. I mean, it's been a long, long time since the Penguins have struggled at that position. And the fact that they gave Jari a chance last year in training camp, even though all of the contract stuff had been aligned against Jari and should have had him in Wilkes-Barre and Casey DeSmith in Pittsburgh, they still kept their eyes open, still kept their minds open, and let him make the team. And then when he started playing better, they let him play more than Matt Murray. That's the sign of a winning organization when you're flexible enough to adjust like that instead of staying stubborn to it. I know it it often doesn't happen at the pace that fans want. Fans, by and large, and I'm guilty of this myself, so I'm not getting highbrow on you here, but fans will see stuff in the moment and go, wow, that, yes, that. Good teams, winning teams, are going to be more patient. They're going to be more deliberate about it. And the Penguins were, I think, with Jari over the course of the very long 2019-20 regular season. They even gave Murray the benefit of the doubt to open the playoffs against Montreal. And Murray played well. He's not the reason they lost, just like Jari wasn't the reason that they lost the elimination game. But they stayed open-minded, and they came to what I feel is the right decision. There are things Tristan Jari can do athletically that no other goaltender, including Murray in the organization, has been able to do for a while. I mean, since, since peak flower, to be honest with you. There's things that he can do, uh, particularly lower body, uh, with his legs, his quickness, his double pad slides, things that he does mechanically extremely well but in part because of raw athleticism, things that can't be coached, things that can't be taught. To his credit and to Mike Buckley's credit, he's taken those things and made himself really a very good, very consistent NHL goaltender. And you could hear in his voice the other day that there's some pride involved in getting this contract. Yeah, I think my goal every year has just been get better and better just with working with Mike Buckley and then even before that, Mike Bales and Andy Chioto. I think that was my goal is just to get better and better every time I stepped on the ice. And it was something that I really took in stride and really took personally is I wanted to get better with every game that I played and every time I took the ice. So it was something that I really had to put forward myself. And then everyone in Pittsburgh was there around me to help. So I think that was a big accomplishment just to have them around me and be able to push me as well as push myself. He's not the most scintillating talker. Uh, for those who haven't spent a whole lot of time either with him or just watching him or hearing him, um, if there was a sliding scale from Flower to Murray to Jari, it just keeps going downward in that regard as far as like being great with quotes and all that other stuff. Um, you're not going to have somebody like a flower come along personality-wise. He's not going to be you know, talking to his goalposts and whatever else. 
but he's a really, really good young goaltender. And he's got the right temperament to play behind this type of team that prefers the attack, that prefers taking risks, that prefers having the defense pinch up. And if nothing else comes of this week, then the Penguins, having made that very clear, and I'll use this term again, commitment to Jari, then it was still a good week for the Penguins. But I'm guessing, knowing Rutherford, it's not done. When we come back, a baseball viewpoint that I hold very strongly. something that I'm sure very few people in Pittsburgh are doing. I can't imagine how bad the ratings are for baseball. Meaning like non-Pirates baseball. Pirates actually do pretty well. I don't know if everybody realizes that. They perennially rank in the top eight or ten teams in the bigs for local market share on television. Read into that what you want. Older audience, I don't know. You know, maybe the people just choosing to watch on TV instead of going in person, although that obviously wouldn't have applied this year. Pirates do pretty well. Major League Baseball overall, not so much. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank and their new drive called GrowShareThrive.org. It's an expansion. It's an addendum, if you will, to the processes that they've had in place for years. They they want the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank to have an outreach like never before, uh, not just finding more people, but also making f- it easier for them to get food. In normal times, one in seven people in our region don't know where the next meal is coming from. That includes one in five children. Now, during the pandemic, it's that much scarier And they're trying to use this, use this sense of urgency right now while also addressing it. Go to growsharethrive.org. One dollar can provide enough food for up to five meals. Major League Baseball, since you haven't been watching and haven't been paying attention, expanded its playoffs for this coronavirus-shortened year from 10 teams to 16 teams. And when this happened, very predictably, the howls came even louder than usual from the quote-unquote purists. Oh, no, how can they do this? What a joke. Now it's like hockey and basketball, and what a what a farce these playoffs are going to be. What about the 162 games? How can you do this? Blah, 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 blah. And when I heard or read some of these things, coincidentally or otherwise, almost all of them were from people who were based in the bigger markets like New York and Los Angeles and whatever else. Because to them, it's just an annoyance. It's just a flea to swat off their shoulder. That's how they see baseball as just, and and with, with very good cause, as just being something that is a birthright for the teams with the most money. Simple as that. 
when they see a really, really good player in Milwaukee or Pittsburgh or wherever, they just say, oh, okay, well, someday that's going to make a good Yankee. Someday that's going to be a good Dodger. That's just how it is. That's the culture that Major League Baseball itself has allowed by not having a salary cap. So when Rob Manfred initially came up with the idea to expand playoffs, it was done very brazenly and very obviously to try to recoup some of the massive money that's lost and try to appease the TV networks because the TV networks were never going to get people super interested, meaning the national ones, uh, in regular season games. That's just not going to happen. But when you give them a best-of-three wild card instead of a single wild card, when you give them 16 teams instead of 10, 16 markets that are paying attention, now all of a sudden you're offering something that's a little bit better, a little bit different. But already those same howls have started to cry for, in 2021, this all needs to go back the way it was. Or if it's not going to be 10, then it can maybe be 12, but definitely not 16. Okay, well, here's the thing. 16 teams did make these playoffs. And a best of three wild card did happen. No virus reference intended here, but no one died. No one died. By all accounts, the better teams still advanced, meaning the teams with the most money. There weren't really any, you know, huge upsets. They still got through. Nothing was done that made the system look like some kind of big joke. And you did have other markets actually paying attention to the sport for a change. I mean, everyone talks about the Dodgers not having won since 1988, which is just a, a fluke, partly, and then also partly that they've had bad management. But there are places where playoffs aren't even a pipe dream, and it's not just Pittsburgh. We all just, you know, everyone here points the finger at Bob Nutting and thinks that if he's not around, this is going to change. It's not. It's the same revenue stream. No owner is ever going to pay out of their own pocket for this. That's fantasy land that can't be supported with any evidence in any any league anywhere. And yes, that includes Mark Cuban because he doesn't spend his own money on payroll for the Mavericks either. There's no hope in a lot of these places. But a 16-team playoff combined with a best-of-three wild card at least opens the door, you know? It at least makes it possible Having more teams, that's that's obvious. That, that the the, um, the impact of that is obvious. I mean, we just saw now in the NL Central, which by the way wasn't even any good, that four of the five teams, meaning everybody except the Pirates, of course, made the playoffs. In the AL Central, it was three out of five teams. Uh, was it a lot? Was it too many? Who cares? They weren't very good, so they got wiped out anyway. The system didn't break over it. But fans of those teams got to see what it was like to have their teams in the playoffs, even if it was just for a bleeping week. It was something. But to take this further, 
the wild card, which is still a sore spot uh, for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people in Pittsburgh, from 2013 to 15, the Pirates, of course, won it in the first year, the blackout game against the Reds, but then couldn't advance either of the following two years when they were mowed down by the Cubs' Jake Arrieta and the Giants' Madison Bumgarner. And the reason that I cite pitchers as opposed to teams is because that's the way the wild card has been structured. It's just our ace versus your ace. It's not baseball at all. Baseball is a game of series. It's always been a game of series. It's a game of series even in the regular season. Nobody goes to a city to just play one game. They go there to play three or four or whatever. Even two is a series. One is not. And reducing 162 games, if you want to get into something that's ridiculous and non-purist, to one game, to one night between my best pitcher and your best pitcher, I get it. It makes for good TV, and the ratings were fantastic for those games. But that doesn't make them right or fair. And if I'm excessively slanted because I covered those Pirates teams and got to experience what they went through, the devastation of going through everything that they did all summer long and being all pumped up that afternoon and then it's just all gone by the end of the night. That's just not baseball. That's not how it works. So I'm going to put this in plain terms. If baseball is never going to have a salary cap, and I sure hope that it will, and I will not give up hope on that front, the very least that Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association can do for markets like Pittsburgh, not just Pittsburgh, but markets like Pittsburgh, revenue streams like Pittsburgh's, is to offer at least a glimmer of hope through playoff races. And that does mean 16 teams, and that does mean best of three wild cards. Thanks so much for listening to this one. Ooh, sorry, I, 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 I like all wound up for this whole show. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I'll try to be more calm tomorrow. <laughs> your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.